when you're designed to be a creative and you're designed in a way where you have something to say, even if your circumstances make you not want to say that thing and make you isolate yourself, when you have a voice that was designed to be heard, it's going to force itself out. It's going to make you audition for American Idol. It's going to make you write the book after years of plotting out little book ideas and then never actually writing it. One day, it's just going to force you. It's going to be like, today's the day. We're doing it. Hey, hi, hello, Angelia here. And I'm Alexis. And this is Before the Prologue. Alexis, today, our special guest is someone I am geeking out over. I'm fangirling a little bit. Are you ready? Our guest today is none other than writer and future author, Alexis Morani. Wait, wait, oh. ready, ready. <laughs> did, it, did my button work? It did. It, it did. did. I didn't hear it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for the warm welcome. I am so happy to be here on this podcast. Look at you Ooh. and your fancy podcast. <laughs> my little fancy buttons over here. Alexis, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Can't wait to hear um, what you're going to share with us. But before we get started, I am going to read a little bit about you so our listeners get some insider info before we dig in. Go for it. Before we dig in, it sounded like I was talking about gardening, cooking you and eating. Oh, oh, that works too. <laughs> that works too. You went to gardening and I went to cannibalism. <laughs> what does that say about us? Well, technically they're not unrelated because where do you hide bones in the dirt? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to read your bio now. Alexis Morani lives in a 100-year-old cottage in a charming Missouri town with her husband and daughter. As a disabled writer, she is eager to create stories that help readers to feel seen and heard. Alexis is currently querying a fantasy novel and frequently shares writing updates with the Bookstagram community. You know what's cool? We both have silent letters in our name. I'm Angelia. There's a Y in that. Yes. And you're a Morani. Look at us. I know. Look at us. All right. Why don't we dive right in to your soul searching interview and we're gonna we're gonna just talk we're gonna share about all the things so last week or a couple weeks ago or whenever you listen to the podcast last my episode was the one before this one mm. where Alexis interviewed me and she did such a good job you, you did you did such a good job interviewing me and you you kind of set the bar oh. for interviewee skills Oof, I want to go that far <laughs> no you did so I'm actually gonna steal one of your first questions though because I think it's a really good question to get to the heart of where you are now and that question is what were you like as a child mm. you know I asked that question first and I had no idea when I was asking it how hard of a question that is to answer because fun fact, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. <laughs> I've blacked a lot of it out and so I look through it at a little bit of a different lens. From what I can remember, I was an extremely quiet child to the point I had family members who were concerned that I wouldn't have a personality. So if that speaks volumes about the type of child I was, or take what you will from that. But yes, I was extremely quiet. And there were some circumstances happening in my life, in my personal life, mm -hmm. that kind of made that happen. I don't know if instinctually I was made to be quiet, but the environment kind of, mm -hmm. kind of forced me to be in that type of 
realm or mindset, but I do think that Mm -hmm. because of it, I was withdrawn, introvert, and had a hard time making friends. I used my imagination a lot. Mm -hmm. I was kind of known as that little quiet weird girl in the corner. Mm. Yeah. Well, that it's just so interesting to hear you say that because you're so friendly. You're so friendly and personable and you're such a good communicator and you have so many friends now. And I just love that. And I, I think that speaks volumes to the growth that you've done. And gosh, mm. I just, I love that. But now I'm like kind of thinking, you mentioned that you were the quiet girl and you just were kind of withdrawn. And a lot of times I feel like in those situations, kids tend to make up an imaginary friend or like they'll make up stories in their head. And I'm just curious, did you have an imaginary friend or did you have a place in your mind that you went to or a physical place that you went to to get away from it? My closest friend was the tie-dye neon notebook that I carried with me at all times. Lisa Frank? It was not. It was off-brand Walmart, okay? (laughs) Love it. Love it. And it was just a little bit bigger than my hand, and I filled it up quickly. But I remember I wrote on the very front cover some type of death threat. You know, like if someone opens this and it's not me, (laughs) bad things will happen. So Mm -hmm. that thing was my best friend. I felt like I could write all my stories and imagination out on it. And I think even before Mm -hmm. I fell in love with books, I was already making up little stories of my own and writing little songs and poems that really didn't deserve to be seen by anybody's eyeballs. (laughs) I definitely took to the imagination in the form of writing pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And then when I started going to the library, my mind exploded. I was like, other people write their thoughts too and make stories better than mine? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) I... I loved reading and unfortunately since I don't have a clear picture of my childhood I can't tell you what kind of books I liked what authors I read Mm -hmm. but I remember the feeling that I had anytime I'd go to the library I was like oh I can breathe this Mm -hmm. is my safe space this is a spot where I can go to any world I want I don't have to be in this world I can Mm -hmm. don't have to be me I can Mm -hmm. be a different character and I think that I, that was one of my mm-hmm. little childhood coping mechanisms in a way is pretending I was the character yeah, in sure. these worlds. And it made me feel so strong and I didn't mm-hmm. have to be the misunderstood quiet girl. I could be the brave warrior and wizard and whatever yeah. I wanted to be. Oh, I love that. I love that. And man, that is just so important in your childhood to have that place, whether it's a physical place you run to or it's a place that you pick up off of your bed on a note on a yeah. notebook and I just love that you you started writing at such a young age and I guess that leads me to my next question how does and again you said you don't have a clear picture of your childhood which mm-hmm. is totally cool um but how do you think your childhood impacts what you write now It impacts everything, especially because I have been in therapy for the last few years. So my childhood has been a topic in my brain Mm -hmm. and learning these lessons. And a lot of the time my counselor will ask, what would younger Alexis think? Or what would you say to younger Alexis? Mm -hmm. And so when I'm being asked these questions, it's naturally going to flow into what I'm reading and what I'm writing and what I'm putting out there. I am super mindful about making sure people feel seen and heard. Because when I think back to younger me, 
I think that's the thing I desperately wanted the most that I didn't necessarily have. I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be heard. So with everything I write, whether it's an Instagram post or it's a full length novel, I think that's my heart is that it will leave someone out there feeling like, oh, this specific detail I can relate to. Mm -hmm. And not to bring Taylor Swift into this, but I think that's one of the magical things about her song is sometimes she gets so specific in those details where people are like, someone else has thought this same exact thing. And there's power in that. For sure, there is. And it's, I mean, that is just evident in who you are. I've not known you super, I've not even known you a year yet, but in the few months that I have known you, you are definitely the person who makes people feel so seen. We have a small little like mom's writing group. There's like four of us in the group. It's, I think I mentioned this last podcast, but it's, yes. it's so life-giving. And you are usually the person in that group who has, who is one responding to everybody's <laughs> videos and you answer all the questions. You do, you do, you, you answer all the questions and you, you make sure no one feels left out. And I just, I, I mean, I want to applaud you for that. Because that is so important. It's just important that you make people feel seen. And that's awesome. I I love that you're very intentional in that. And that is very evident in who you are as a person. And I can only imagine how that comes across in your book, in your many books. You've written more than one book, right? Mm -hmm. I've written two full ones. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's crazy. That's amazing. I mean, you've written two full ones too. (sighs) Yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) I have. Oh, wow. This is about you. This is about you, not about me. I'm going to steal your therapist question because I think it's such a good one. Yeah. Um, since we're on the topic of books now, I just want to sit in this safe darkness for a second. So that's the manuscript you're currently querying. Yes. If younger Alexis, which I don't know if younger Alexis would have read this book, but if younger Alexis could read the book, what do you think she would say about this safe darkness? Well, first of all, younger Alexis totally would have been reading this book at 15. Yes, she would. <laughs> As soon as my world was open to Twilight, ugh, YA fantasy, what's called new adult fantasy, yeah, this would have been her cup of tea, okay? Her okay, right up her alley. Okay. I was reading Vampire Academy. Vampires were the thing whenever I was like 15 or so. Well, vampires are hot. They are. They are. <laughs> <laughs> they were my gateway into fantasy vampire novels and so that's why Mm -hmm. I bring up the vampires but this my my this safe darkness unfortunately doesn't have any vampires but it does have all the things that we loved about those nostalgic vampire books Um, yeah so if she were to read it I honestly feel like it would have changed the trajectory of what happened in those few Mm -hmm. teenage years because if teenage Alexis would have read it it would have made her start asking questions that I didn't actually think to ask myself until later on. Yeah. And that's not to say, look at my writing, you know? But I do think that some of the books I was reading, especially the, the YA fantasy books at the time, were more focused on the love interest and yeah. the tension. And I yeah. loved it. But it didn't necessarily have as many mental health themes mm-hmm. and have these characters that are processing through trauma that's one of the things I've loved about fantasy novels in the last few years is that feels like it's becoming more of the main. We're having those hard moments. Mm-hmm. We're seeing these characters process through grief, through assault, and through all kinds of these major and minor traumas. And it's opening up this door for this internal dialogue that 
would have been really interesting to experience as a younger Alexis. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting, too, that it's our generation that are writing these books where we're exploring mental health and we're, we're not just letting grief be on one page and passing by it, but it's our generation that's writing the books. And I think a lot of authors and writers our age are really writing books subconsciously to their younger selves. I know I was in writing mine too. And I didn't even know I was until after I wrote it, stepped back and read it. And then I realized also younger Angelia really could have read a book where she found a place to belong, you know? Yeah. I just, I think that's interesting. It is. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you, you wrote this book that younger you would have just loved to have had. It would have helped you, you know? Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. amazing. Because I think... Something about my main character, she's definitely not like me, but she's kind mm-hmm. of like the friend that I wish I would have had to yeah. make me realize that I had value. Mm-hmm. You know that confident friend that like comes along and just hypes you up? Why are you calling yourself that? Why did you think that thought about mm-hmm. yourself? You're not that. My main character is that person for me. And so if younger Alexis mm-hmm. would have had that, that friend that just amped her up and made her realize she had value Mm -hmm. and made her rephrase the way she's looking at her life Mm -hmm. I think that could have been game-changing but I also know Mm -hmm. that my life happened the way it happened and I wouldn't change it because I am so fortunate with where I'm at now yeah so we're still in childhood talking about younger Alexis and I was just wondering if you had a moment in your childhood where creativity kind of flipped a switch in your brain and you were able to step into that because obviously you are a highly creative person and I was just wondering did that come in your childhood or did you realize more of that into your adulthood I think that it was always with me yeah even though I would be writing things in my little notebook I never really thought of myself as having talent in terms of creativity it was something that was always a part of me but I never looked at myself as like a talented artist a talented creative person Mm -hmm. in middle school I started pursuing music more and I joined Mm -hmm. a choir and I got involved with middle school choir and high school choir and and it was fun but still I never looked at myself as like this capable artist type person and it's funny Mm -hmm. because once I got to I think maybe sophomore year, (laughs) this is so silly, but I somehow convinced myself that I had at least a small measure of talent. And so I did something completely out of character. And I was like, dad, Mm -hmm. I want to audition for American Idol. (laughs) What? (laughs) This is so out of left field. (laughs) I just was not. I, I, uh, whoa, I need details. Oh my. You think it's out of left field? It was. It was totally out of left field. It's amazing. My, my parents were like, uh, okay. But the cool thing was, is they allowed me to go through the process. I auditioned for American Idol. I didn't make it onto the show because they have rounds that lead up to the show. And I, yeah. poor thing, I had so much stage fright. Producers are staring at you. You've just waited almost a full day, just yeah. waiting at a line. Mm-hmm. So it didn't go well. Spoiler, (laughs) clearly I wasn't Kelly Clarkson. (laughs) But I think that was the first small step in thinking of myself as a creative person, as someone who had a Uh voice that deserved to be heard. 
But it was a long process after that first step. It took a lot of other small Mm -hmm. steps to get to the point where I was like, I am creative. I am an artist and I have a voice that deserves to be heard. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I also, is it out of left field? Yes. I I didn't even know you in high school, but it's out of left field. But I think that also just shows so much boldness. Yeah. And man, that's, that's just it's so important too, especially for a creative who's just now realizing they are creative and they, they want to pr- explore it a little more. Yeah. What advice would you give someone who was maybe in your shoes? What, what would you say to someone who you wanted to encourage to step into that? I would say, although risks are inherently risky, that doesn't mean they're scary or bad or anything to be afraid of. Because yes, the worst that could happen is that it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. But when you take the risk, you're telling yourself something. You're telling yourself that you're worth the Mm -hmm. risk. And that Mm -hmm. makes it a success no matter the outcome of the risk. I love that. And I feel like, you know, creatives, artists, writers, we're the quickest to reject ourselves. We are so quick to self-reject and to tell ourselves, my book is crap. I can't sing. My art is never going to sell. Like, we are the first people to say that. Yes. But you know, as creatives, we, we do. We need to take risks and we need to shoot our shot and we need to come out of left field sometimes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and you know what I think too is when you're designed to be a creative and you're designed in a mm-hmm. way where you have something to say, even if your circumstances yeah. kind of make you not want to say that thing and make you isolate yourself, eventually if you were designed to do it, your voice is going to come out no matter whether you're planning on it or not. Yeah. When you have a voice that was designed to be heard, it's going to be heard at some point. Mm-hmm. It's going to force, force itself out. It's going to make you audition for American Idol. <laughs> it's going to make you write the book after years of plotting out little book ideas and then never actually writing it. Yeah. One day, it's just going to force you. It's going to be like, today's the day. We're doing it. Today's the day we're doing it. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Speaking of books, uh, I, I want to kind of flip the switch a, a little bit. I know we're all about w- how we became writers and authors and all the things. That's our the whole gist of our podcast. Um, but there is something interesting about your book that I think will resonate with so many people. Um, and that is that the disability representation in your book. And I just would love to hear your heart behind that. And then maybe hear did younger Alexis deal with some of the things that older Alexis deals with? Did that impact the thing you're writing now or or the representation that you wanted to include in your book? Yeah, absolutely. I was a clumsy kid. And so I Mm -hmm. cracked my head open for the first time when I was two. And Oh boy, that's great. I just ended up having four fairly major head injuries throughout (laughs) my life. Oh no. But then also kind of going through trauma and anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was constantly having these stomach aches and going into the nurse's office mm-hmm. and going in there enough to where then they start thinking I'm the little girl who cried wolf. And here I am, not knowing what anxiety feels like as a kid, not knowing the words, but actually yeah. feeling pain and wanting to be heard, but then also not wanting to cause a disturbance not wanting to make my parents miss more work or spend more money on doctor bills. And so pretty early on, I started internalizing pain. And I started having more health issues as I got older. And in my teenage years, I started passing out randomly and went through 
like so many different specialists looking at the heart, looking at the brain, trying to figure out why I'm passing out and then getting little random diagnoses here and there that feel scary and big and all these terms and getting told that I might not be able to have children. But again, I had this tendency to start feeling really bad about taking care of my health. I'd get overwhelmed and like, this is too much. This is too much money, too many visits. Let's not go until the problem's too big of a problem. And so Mm -hmm. continued that path of isolating and not really wanting to address the pain too much. And then into my adulthood, after I got married, that was one of those things where my husband and I had to have some, you know, tough conversations about taking care of myself will only help mm-hmm. my marriage and my relationship with, with yeah. my daughter. Yeah. So I started prioritizing my physical health and mental health a little bit more, but also post-marriage and having a child, more health issues started popping up in my 20s. It has been the thing though, to where I'm in a safe space to communicate those issues and not have to hide the pain. And I think that's been a world of difference. Mm-hmm. So when it came to this safe darkness, I think that that is one of the things that my main character does take inspiration from me in a way is mm-hmm. she is in an environment where she has to internalize her pain. Then when she leaves that environment, we get to see how difficult it is for her at first to start sharing her pain with others yeah. and start First of all, just telling people, acknowledging her pain in front of others, and then also allowing others to come in and help yeah, to the extent that they're able. Because I think one of the hard things too about once you get a diagnosis that's chronic in whatever form that may be, yeah. whether it's chronic illness, chronic pain, or whatever shape or form your disability may take, I think that you don't necessarily need people that are going to tell you how to fix it. You just need people to make you feel valid in whatever you're going through and to just be there with you. Yeah. For them to say, I see you, I hear you, and you're not alone in this. And so I'm hoping that when they read this book, they're like, oh, I've felt those feelings. I've felt like I'm a burden on others, so I'm just going to keep quiet about this. I don't want to burden people and let them know I'm in pain again, or I need to go to the hospital again, or I need to get a different medication again. You know, you're not a burden. Yeah. If someone's telling you are, maybe they're not your community. Maybe they're not yeah. your true found family. I, that, I've read, you know, some of your book material. It makes me very excited to read more as someone who also has um, some invisible disabilities and then some very non, very visible disabilities. That makes me feel seen. And uh, I share with you, and I, I'm sure several of our listeners do too, on the shoving the feelings down and hiding the pain because you don't want to feel like you're being a burden yeah so I'm just so thankful that you pushed through all of that and that you've persevered from your childhood till now to make sure this story is written and told Mm -hmm. um because I need to read it I need to read it and I know I've met other people who have invisible disabilities and they need to read it and they need to know that they're seen and loved and known and heard yes and that they're not a burden I just your heart behind that is just so good It's so good. I can't wait. Thank you. And I do want to say that even those who don't have a disability, I think that they can relate to this character too because we've all experienced pain. Yeah. It's a part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all experienced 
not wanting to be a burden. Absolutely. Maybe it looks different for you, but I think that's a common shared feeling. And so my heart too with it is even people who don't necessarily identify as disabled can see Alicia's journey and also see themselves in that. Has this book in writing it helped you heal, whether spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, has this book brought any steps towards a healthier Alexis, if if that makes sense? I know my book personally, I got to voice a lot of my my guts and my trash in there and it made me feel better in some areas. How did this do that for you at all? Yes. I think one of my favorite things was when I was first researching this book, I was looking heavily into Egyptian mythology because I was on the hunt for disability representation and Egyptian mythology is one of the only mythologies that I was able of finding that actually had disability representation portrayed in a positive light. Wow. There's this ancient Egyptian god called Bess and he had a physical disability Mm -hmm. and he was one of the most popular gods of ancient Egypt and he was associated with things like music, dancing, humor, sexuality and the people loved him. He was in a almost everyone's home and the fact that he was so popular it seemed to have shaped the actual societies of ancient Egypt people with disabilities were often given Mm -hmm. positions of authority because their disability was seen as a blessing from the god and so having this in mind as I'm outlining the story and then once I start writing the story it triggered something in my brain of not necessarily that I was stuck in this victimhood of my disability But it made me realize having disability isn't all bad. Mm -hmm. There are some really cool things that have come from having a disability, which might sound weird to some people. But honestly, the last few years of my life have been the most painful ones physically, but some of the most joyful ones emotionally. A life in pain doesn't mean it's a bad life. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Life doesn't have to be comfortable to be good. Mm -hmm. Oh, girl, you preaching. It doesn't. (laughs) And this book has helped me really see that and look for the good even more. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it comes from reading and music and dancing and just celebrating these fun moments and the moments where I'm not in pain, just like making the most of it and the moments where I am in pain, making the most of Mm -hmm. it. There's just this whole spectrum of life and that whole spectrum doesn't just stop once you get a diagnosis or once you're in pain. You're still Mm -hmm. feeling that whole spectrum. And I don't want to just focus on the low end, but the high end is still there and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man, that is good. I feel like sometimes we so often forget that pain and joy, they coexist. They are not mutually exclusive. And, you know, that right there is something that everyone is going to get out of your book, whether they are disabled or not, is that pain and joy, they coexist. They do. You can do life with pain and joy. And I love that. Girl, are you taking us to church tonight? Okay. <laughs> that is okay. good. That is good. That's good. <laughs> I also, I, I'm just, I'm amazed at the how much research you did for your book. That is incredible and it shows your heart in it. Thank I you. My book wasn't inspired by anything outside of stuff like, mm-hmm. outside of that. So I think that is just so cool that you have invested so much time into your book and I'm pumped to read it. Thank pumped you. Pumped to read it. I have a 28 page outline that is separate from my plot document. <laughs> I went so hard into researching this book and thinking things through. And I kind of, I don't want to tell everyone all of the ways that Egyptian mythology Uh and culture influenced it because I kind of want to see 
if people make the connections like oh because there's a lot there's a lot of ways it's influenced it and so I'm really curious to see kind of like you know those little easter eggs in movies the movie franchises or the certain musical artists I'm channeling my Swifty not to name drop her twice but love that it's happening so readers out there once you read it let me know because that'll be fun Uh, I love that. I put a few Easter eggs in mine, but mine were a lot of parts of the Caribbean Easter eggs. <laughs> nothing <laughs> super cool like that. I love it. Just so you know, I totally have a Twilight reference in there. Oh, I love it. I do it in my second book, I, which you know, you, you've read that part. Well, now I'm even more excited to read your book for many reasons. But one, I don't care how where you feel about Twilight. Twilight is what got most of our generation started on fantasy it truly was I will die on that hill it's my comfort book series it's my comfort watch even though I haven't reread it in recent years I haven't either but I have watched it I watch it once a year annually I watch it once a year and I always tell my husband it's a red flag if you see me watching Twilight there's something going (laughs) on in here something's going on so I guess the most important question for you is this is a deep one oh no team edward or team jacob and this will determine the future of this podcast and our friendship go ahead as much as i want to say team jacob because i fell for the friend my best friend turned into my husband i'm team edward i'm team edward okay we can stay friends i'm team jacob is the worst you know i i like the idea of friends to lovers clearly but i hate it i hate it but i feel like they tried to portray Jacob as the better fit. He wasn't. He he wasn't. He wasn't. The better fit isn't the person where like, oh, you can have babies with me. You can grow old with me. Like, sure, if if that's what she wanted, then that would have been a good fit. But that's not what she wanted. So it wasn't a good fit. But that's not what she wanted. No. I think that, oh, at the end of the day, the, the, the good fit is you not having to drastically change yourself. Mm-hmm. to be with the person which is hilarious because she drastically changed herself by turning into a vampire <laughs> but, but <laughs> she quite literally but she didn't do it for him she did it for herself mm-hmm. yeah so she just she's just an opportunistic is really what she is she's she like is. excuse me i can live forever and be hot okay thank you i'll do that well i'm glad we can agree on that because honestly if we couldn't i would have stopped recording the podcast would have been over before right. the prologue, episode two, and we're done, is where I would have landed. Right. No launch. Yeah. I can safely say that we're in, we're good. That's great. Oh, gosh. I'm glad we got that off our chest. Yes. Oh, goodness. Well, that's fun. Do you remember, I know you didn't specifically remember any books that you were interested in as a child, but did you have mm-hmm. any, like, television shows that you ever drew inspiration from? I was obsessed with the Peter Pan movie, not the cartoon. The one with the cute little blonde boy. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, he's from where I live. He was my first mega crush. Ooh. I had my first my first crush was John Travolta. Obviously. I was watching Grease by age two. But my first I am obsessively watching this movie was Peter Pan. I wanted to be Wendy. I replayed that little one innocent kiss scene so many times. I had a piece of paper mm-hmm. where I would tally mark every time I watched it. And I was so proud of how many times I watched it that anytime <laughs> my sisters had friends over, I'd get out my yeah. little piece of paper. And I wouldn't mention it, but I would have it out just waiting for them to ask me what it was so I could proudly (laughs) tell them. Unfortunately, they never asked, but I was ready. I was ready to shout out from the rooftops 
Oh, wow. I wonder if we're going to get a Peter Pan retelling in your author future. You know, I feel like it's been done so many times. If I did it, it would be very vaguely connected. It wouldn't be an obvious retelling. Or maybe Wendy is the Peter Pan. It's like a role reversal. That might be kind of cool. Ooh, okay. That's cool. For the record, you would make an excellent Wendy. Like, you give me, or even Tinkerbell, you would kill both of those. You look very Wendy-esque. I would buy it. Yeah, if you auditioned, I'd give you the part. Thank you. I would. Oh, thank you. I would. I, that means everything. I love that fantasy was a part of your childhood to that degree. That is so magical. I feel like we all have those little... I don't want to assume this for everybody, but I feel like so many of us who are writing fantasy now, we had that one thing that mm-hmm. we latched onto that was fantastical enough to give us an escape from where we were at. Um, yeah. Whether it was an escape from a healthy situation or an unhealthy situation, everyone wanted to escape every now and then. Right. You know, Who doesn't like magic? Who doesn't like magic? Oh my goodness, it's, it's magical. Well, come on. So you have siblings. I do. Did your siblings influence any of what you write now or influence your creativity as you were growing up yeah so I'm the youngest of three girls so I've got two older sisters okay I know I don't I don't think I give off baby sister vibes you don't you give me older sister vibes yeah and I think that has to do with the environment so it wasn't like the typical Mm -hmm. sister dynamic but my oldest sister did gift me one of my vampire novels I don't think it was Twilight I think it might have been Vampire Academy maybe and Mm -hmm. it was after I had read Twilight and I was like oh there's other vampire books out there like this is a genre because even though I'd read Twilight I just I thought Twilight was its own magical thing and that there was nothing else like it in the world yeah Um, and so I think when my sister gifted me that one book I don't even know if she thought I was going to read it but I did and then I read the whole series and I think that started an obsession with fantasy. I think even though I love Twilight so much, I just truly didn't know it was a genre in books. And so my oldest sister is the reason why I'm here today, writing fantasy, because it truly launched this obsession. And then I was at the library specifically looking for fantasy books. And then when the internet became more of a a thing and I started knowing how to navigate it more I was looking on the internet for like books like Twilight books like Vampire Academy books with vampires (laughs) and then it was like books with fairies (laughs) you know yeah what was your library lock that you went to we had to walk a lot so it was at the very entrance Mm -hmm. of our old neighborhood so it was a pretty long walk but it was nice Mm because if there was a little pond we would look at the little geese not get too close because you know geese aren't actually that sweet they're but not we'd walk past them go into the library and then you just smell that smell and it was just like ah oh, I'm home I am home and the sound of those books being checked out on the scanners is just like my favorite soundtrack um, I would turn left mm-hmm. whenever I was the little Alexis because that was the kids section and YA wasn't a thing whenever I was like late child early teens yeah and so I was still stuck in that children's section for a long time but I remember once I started venturing to the back I remember getting the heebie-jeebies a little bit I'm like oh am I mature now because I'm like going out of the kids section I felt so cool (laughs) and I also felt like a little risky I felt like I was gonna get in trouble because I'm 12 I'm like rebel I'm 12 in the adult section (laughs) oh no don't tell the attendants (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. You're crazy. 
<laughs> that's so that's so funny. Who or what has inspired you to write books? And what keeps you going? What is continuing to inspire you to endure through the chronic pain that you have and endure through the anxiety and the exhaustion that comes with being a writer? What is keeping you pushing and what has what started it? I have two answers to that one question because it's a two answer thing. The what mm-hmm. started it is not the thing that's keeping yeah. me going. Because what started it is actually like mm-hmm. a very small, <laughs> silly thing. A year ago, mm-hmm. almost to the day, in two days, it'll be an exact year since I started writing my first book. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Even though I've been writing my whole life, I just never thought I was capable of writing a book. Yeah. And for years prior, I had like these book ideas that I would write down, but I truly never actually thought I would make it into a book. I was just like, book idea, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, so I... Yeah. Speaking of head injuries, I had a concussion and I was in bed a lot and my doctor told me to avoid screen time. So naturally I did the opposite and I was on my phone a lot, just scrolling through and I made my way onto the bookstagram corner of the internet and Mm -hmm. one of our future guests, I found her account and she just was talking about her writing experience in a way that felt accessible to me Mm -hmm. because before then writing a book felt like that that's something I could never do it felt so inaccessible to me it felt like this Mm -hmm. grand thing that I could never be capable of doing and the way she was Mm -hmm. describing her experience it's like wait a second maybe maybe I could and I truly think that if I was not concussed I probably never would have written it wow because I'm a chronic overthinker and I just wasn't really capable of thinking very clearly at the time I was just like okay, I'm going to give it a try, which is, again, out of character. It's like the American Idol hit me again. (laughs) So I started writing and I just, I found an old book idea that I'd saved a few years prior and I just started writing and I started going through it. But then what kept me writing was I started making some friends in the book community. Mm -hmm. I was reaching out and I didn't really necessarily tell them I was writing a book at first. I was just connecting with others who were avid readers, people who were writing things And then I started, you know, mentioning like, I'm writing this thing or asking them writing advice questions. Yeah. And then from there, I think that's what kept me writing was the community. Mm -hmm. Now, that's my, that's my, not to say surface level answer, because that's like the the thing Mm -hmm. that kind of gets me through the daily thing. But my heart answer is my faith because I, I do have a faith and it's very, Mm -hmm. it's something that's very intimately a part of me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that I was designed to do it. And it's Mm -hmm. something that I didn't realize I was designed to do until I started doing it. But then as soon as I Mm -hmm. did start writing, I was like, Mm -hmm. this is it. This is the thing I've been waiting for. Because up until I started writing book one, I always felt a little lost in life. I was always dabbling Mm -hmm. in these different creative things. I've been a graphic designer for over a decade. And then in the midst of that, I was also mm-hmm. a photographer, a videographer, songwriter, things like that. But mm-hmm. once I wrote a book, I can't imagine doing anything else. For me, feeling like I'm stepping into God's purpose for my life, that's what keeps me going because I feel so energized by that. When I feel like I'm in alignment with my purpose, there's nothing stopping mm-hmm. me. And yeah. that's what helps me commit to it because I haven't been able to really commit to a lot of my little side hobbies like I have with Mm -hmm. this one. And I think it's just because I knew that those weren't for me. I love that 
one, you found the Bookstagram community. It is such a sweet place to be. It's such it a is. sweet corner of the internet and it is so, so supportive. So I love that you found community there. I love that I get to be a part of that community. It fills me up with so much joy because that's something I was struggling with too. And I, I really found some community in that little corner of the internet. Um, I also love that you said that your faith is something that keeps you pushing. And I love how books can bring people together of so many different faiths and so yes. many different beliefs and yes. things like that. And I love that so much. And me too. I love that you said that you feel like you're stepping into God's purpose for your life and that that is writing because he can take the words that you write and it, it's just amazing. I, I'm tripping over my words because I love it so much. But I, I mean, I share that story with you and Jack of all trades, a master of none. Um, I was very good at very different creative things and I, I dabbled in all of them much like you did, but yeah. nothing has stuck with me quite like writing has. Like, yeah, I mean, I share that endurance that you have with it and you know, I, that's beautiful. I love that he has made it clear to you that this is an area that you're gifted in and that he's asking you to do. And that makes me even more excited to read the stuff you're writing. And I just love it. I love it. Okay. Now it's time for the hard question and I'm going to hit okay. this button and you can totally cut it out if you want, but it's a button of, Oh, Oh man. So I have a little soundboard and I thought I had a dun 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 sound, but I don't. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. You, you nailed it. That was beautiful. The hard question. Alexis, if you could title the book of your life, you can give it any name, any title. This is the, the book is the story of your life. What would the title be? Hear me. Ooh. Ooh. That, that pierced my heart. Yeah. It's this cry to be heard. Yeah. And recognizing that I deserve to be heard. Mm -hmm. We all do. I, I'm, I'm going to speak for all of Bookstagram that hangs out with you in the corner of the internet. We hear you. We hear you and we see you. And man, I'm just humbled to get to do this with you and be your friend and do life with you. And I just, I, I hear you and I can't say that enough. And I will say it every day from here on out until you ask me to stop because you do have a voice that needs to be heard. You have a voice that your Thank daughter's you. going to hear one day and she's going to be so freaking proud of her mama. She's going to be so proud that her mom pushed through. Um, her mom spoke up so that she too herself could be heard. And I'm just so proud of you. I'm going to cry because I just, woo. I made it through this whole thing without <laughs> crying until just now. I'm oh. sorry. I just, I, I want you, I want you to feel seen and heard and known and loved. And you are paving a way for others who have a story similar to yours to be heard you're paving a way with your book and you're paving a way with your platform and your podcast and that is something that I would don't take it lightly be proud of it we're proud of you I'm proud of you and I just I'm so thankful and blessed for the, this time that we've got to spend together today and that the time we get to hang out and you're just amazing and I love you well I could say all those things and more about you you know, you deserve to be heard. And it is a true joy to be able to do this with you. Well, Alexis, I have loved getting to interview you today and learn more about young Alexis. I actually think we should do like a part two one day of interviewing each other. Mm. And yes. I don't know, maybe we can ask our, in the next time we do this, maybe we can ask people the questions they have for us and we can answer that way. That would be so fun. 
Yes, absolutely. That is a great idea. And thank you again for listening to my story today and hearing what I had to say. It means everything. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Before the Prologue. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review. It really helps. And if you want some more behind the scenes content, follow us on Instagram at Before the Prologue Podcast. See you next time.